Welcome to What the Truck, midweek edition style. We are getting ready to take a road trip, Dooner. Are you excited? Oh, look out of that. I'm uh, packing up the bags. The second we turn off these mics, we're going to pack up this studio, put a gig bag in a box, and hit the road. Right, set the GPS straight for... Where is it? Birmingham, Alabama? Headed to the deep south. How you feeling about that? Well, it'll be my first time in Alabama. Uh, should I? How should I prepare for this? Well, just, you know, keep a positive mental attitude is what I say, like you always do. It's the only one I got. Go Going out for positivity. Yeah. Going to the McLeod Transportation and Finance Conference 2019. Thanks for the sponsorship, McLeod. I heard a rumor that our own Ibrahim Bayon may be doing the keynote. Yeah, he's going to be bringing us some economic fundamentals. He's going to be like giving us an overview. Should we be excited? Should we be? Uh, should the sky be falling, or is it somewhere in between? Well, we just heard the big news about the tariff increase that sort of came out of nowhere. That was announced May 10th. So all goods in transit. It's kind of interesting because it's not going to affect trade immediately because there's no prep for this, right? It's not like in December where there was a rumor and everyone front loaded. This just happened. So a lot of goods that are going to be in transit, I'm not sure how that'll affect it. It'll be interesting to hear from them when they think we'll start seeing this in things like sonar. They'll start seeing it on the shipper side and the broker side and the carrier side. So I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited to get down there to hear from some finance professionals, the guys who, you know, who count the beans and count the numbers on what we're going to find out about how this may affect our industry. Yeah, yeah, with the context of what is going on, it should be all the more interesting to talk about uh, all of their uh, the talking points, what is happening, what's the context, uh, and we're going to be at the brand new or the you know quite new McLeod uh, building, their own headquarters where they have a lot of employees, several hundred, mm. and um, you know we're going to have access to uh, some of the the top the top uh, you know uh, bosses right there at McLeod. Yeah, you know, and they're bringing a lot of industry there. I know they're heavily recruiting because, you know, they're in tech, and that's a, that's a big thing from there. So I'm excited to see if maybe, you know, I'm from the East Coast, so you have your own impression of things, but maybe this is like an oasis, kind of like Chattanooga is. Maybe they're building sort of their own really cool tech hub out there. I bet they are. Let's go find out. Yeah, let's hit the road, buddy. All right. Hey, welcome to What the Truck. Great to have you with us. We are at the McLeod Software Transportation Accounting and Finance Conference 2019, their third annual. We are at the actual conference center in McLeod. It is an exciting moment. We have been listening to Ibrahim Bayan, FreightWave's own chief economist, and he has been talking to us about some interesting macroeconomic data. What, what do you think about um, the driver shortage based upon um, that presentation, Dooner? Wow. Uh, well, I'm just hey. hopping right into it. <laughs> well, first of all, Ibrahim Bayon, he just made my day. He just quoted the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, in the context of the driver shortage. He knows exactly <laughs> the inroads to my heart. Oh, okay. So that's your thoughts on it. What well, what, yeah. what what are the roads to your heart, Dooner? Uh, you it's know, a mystery. Late eighties, early nineties wrestling quotes, uh, <laughs> slasher movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, thanks. yeah. Well, good times here. He's still uh, holding court there, um, but it's been an impressive presentation. We are looking forward to all kinds of conversations around what to expect. Uh, uh you know, around um. You know, just like not not just finance, but like all of the the issues that are related to the industry. Um, what do you got on your mind, dude? 
See, well, I'm looking at the docket right here. It looks like there's a lot of really interesting sessions going on here today. But you know what? I think that there's a great group of individuals already here at the event who know a lot about these topics. We have some great questions that I, my own curiosity, wants to be satiated by talking to some of the people. I'm really curious to see how some of these things, like the trade war, is affecting them. Because usually there's a bit of a grace period. People, you know, last time they were coming in, people were warned that this may be coming through. They front-loaded all their shipments. This time it came through. It went in effect May 10th. So goods in transit weren't, but anything that left China from May 10th or afterwards is going to be hit with that 25% tariff, which is very difficult for importers, especially on the LTL side, because on LTL shipments, your container is probably already stuffed, and you probably have a few weeks of freight that are already put into that system. So even though they haven't hit the water yet, you can't really bring that out there and just go to Vietnam or go to Sri Lanka or go to India and export your goods from there or import your goods from there. So it's a challenge for shippers, and I'm curious what they're going to be doing and how software and technology can help them leverage against what they may be facing. Indeed, it's a it's a confusing time, I think, for a lot of people. For one, as Ibrahim uh, was saying himself, uh, all of the official data that they were able to uh, be, you know, have access to and were absorbing uh, was that the trade war would be resolved, um, that things were headed in an optimistic direction, and that the the trade war nonsense wasn't going to be happening. Um, and then suddenly, boom, there it is. So a lot of the optimism, a lot of the stock market going trending up. Um, you know, immediately went negative over the last few days. And that's our mm. context, you know, yeah. right now. Um, well, I, you, as you, I've told you, I got in on that Uber IPO. I put in my my bid reserve, and now I'm sitting on 23 shares that are, are slowly going down. So we'll ask some of oh. these. I need to talk to some of these economists yeah. to see if I should, should be shelling, should, if I should be selling my Uber shares on Robinhood in real time. We'll see how far this can drop, or maybe it goes back up. Maybe we have... Maybe there's a there's a big boom. I don't know. This seems like it might be a tough week for stocks with that with that trade war news. People are getting a little nervous. That oh, room yeah. was awfully silent when that came up. So I don't know. They, these guys are kind yeah. of um, this is kind of like ground zero a little bit. The finance people because they're the ones who decide on the spending that companies do. Yeah. And if they're really nervous about this, yeah. that's kind of an economic telltale sign, isn't it? We, and uh, one of the very things that Ibrahim, um, speaking as an economist, was was talking about is when you have this uncertainty, when um, your stocks and your portfolios start trending down in any kind of you know um, real way, then that affects things like consumer spending, and because yeah. it's it's your it's I mean it's not just optimistic or not. You're like literally your your bank account shrinking the stock market's shrinking um you know spending is going to take a hit so we're going to be seeing some turmoil now i mean i tell you what we woke up this morning well hold on one second before you move off that so are you saying that like a perceptive like the news the perceptive fear of this because even in there so he was saying like one thing ibrahim said is that the corporate tax credits were used to absorb a lot of the margin that was coming in it wasn't passed on to consumers but that was at 10 percent. now that 25 percent is coming through Are you saying that the actual fear, though, that people watching, you know, MSNBC, CNBC, reading all these financial reports, even if it doesn't get passed on to the consumer, they're still very nervous about it. So that may affect the stock market and consumer spending. I'm not saying that it will affect the stock market. I'm saying that once that stock market is impacted 
and you know, and things are declining. Yeah. That I think his point, his thesis is that it does have an impact on consumer spending, which I think drives a great deal. I think it's at least two thirds of the overall economy. Period. So it's a, but I mean, hope springs eternal, as you're saying. And this very morning before we left our our hotel, what was the name of the hotel you got us at? Oh, that was the lovely Hampton Inns and Suites the in Hampton Birmingham. Hampton and Suites. Yes. Um, as we were leaving there, um, I think it was on CNBC that they were saying, look, they're, they're still making progress in these trade talks and something may come to a resolution. Oh, so. I thought you were going to say those snack bags that they gave us <laughs> when we were leaving, like just really got your yeah. consumer spending back up. Hope Springs spirit. Eternal. There's an apple, a banana, a and a muffin. bottle of water. And a sticker. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh. They're clapping for him now. Yeah, well, he's doing a great job. We're going to get some interviews and some people coming out of here. As you can hear, you might hear an elevator in the background. We're right here at the registration hallway, so we literally are coming to you live out of this event, live to tape. But we're going to bring some interviewees in, and uh, we'll bring in our next guest and be right back with you. So we're here with Susan Kirkpatrick. She is the Executive VP and CFO of Buddy Moore Trucking. Susan, great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Susan, it is great to have you here. This is a great event. Chad and I have been doing the conference tour, the live conferences. You can hear this one. It's a big, lively event. We are surrounded by people, and we're here at a very interesting time, aren't we? So how are you? You're here at McLeod to learn about financial tech and transportation. How are you keeping pace with the accelerating world of accounting right now as things are going digital and you have to make decisions rapidly? Well, we're fortunate. We're actually based here in Birmingham, so... If we have issues, we set up a meeting. I come here to the office and sit down and chat with them. We're in the process of doing a consolidation of two companies, so I'm very much neck deep into how we maximize the technology that McLeod offers to do that. Uh, Susan, what complications are your accounting departments contending with now insofar as your supply chain is concerned? Well, you know, one of the biggest issues we have is it's all about paperwork. You know, a driver, in order to get paid, he's got to get his paperwork to us. So we constantly fight the battle of, okay, Joe, scan, take a picture, send your paperwork in. Don't put it in the mail. So, and I know that sounds silly, but that's always an issue. No, payments are, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but turnover in the world of drivers and the carrier rolls is like 100%. It it stays around 98% to 102%. That means if someone has 100 drivers, they have to replace 100 drivers within a year, which is pretty crazy. You really only see that in like seasonal, like summer work and people work at like ski lodges and things. So it's a very interesting and unique market. So that brings up a great question that begs the question of the driver shortage. Last year, big deal. Couldn't get enough drivers. This year, not so much. The tender rejects are way down. How, re- but how is it affecting you personally and your company? What is the driver shortage doing to you? Well, the driver shortage is always on our mind. We're flatbed and van. On the flatbed side, remarkably, our turnover is less than 50%. We're a family-owned company, so we do a good job of treating those guys and gals as our family. As I tell them all the time, what I do is somewhat important. What they do, it begins and ends with them. So we're very, very personal in our dealings with drivers, and that's what we strive as we're recruiting them. Um, so, okay, so we've heard a lot about the trade war, Susan, uh, and I know it's a, it, there's kind of a lot of uncertainty right now. I'm wondering, like, do, how does the trade war affect your day-to-day, um, and how do, how do you see tech as being able to, to help with your operations? Well, right now, we do feel a softening 
in freight availability. In fact, we're having a meeting tomorrow afternoon here in Birmingham. We're bringing in all of our managers from our geographies, and we're going to sit down and talk about just that. Yeah. We have got to to maximize what McLeod gives us as far as the ability to really analyze the data, and that's one thing we're really going to be in the focus on this year is to, okay, let's look at those lanes. Let's, let's, let's try to squeeze every cent of expense out of the operation we can. So optimization will kind of be a core component to make up for this 25%, because what was really unique about it was we weren't really given a warning. Right. They're just like anything that leaves China on or after May 10th is hit with 25%. And as you know, a lot of these things on the import side are already booked. They're booked, you know, the invoices are paid for, the FOBs are already headed to the port, there's LTL containers that are already stuffed. I know that the president was like, well, you can just go to Thailand or whatever, fine, but that doesn't do anything for about the next 45 days of shipments that are already booked. Are you, so you probably won't see that, you won't be, if your drivers won't be affected then, so it's more like you're going to get hit what, maybe two months from now, right? I think that's right, and I think we really don't have a good sense of how bad it's going to be. Uh, but I think we're naive to think that there will be no effect. Right. Um, well, these are these are some good insights, and I know they're starting to reconvene already, but, um, Susan, we're not going to uh, be able to let you go without um, playing a little bit of our trivia game. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so, our, so our first question is... Uh, when did the first Dunkin' Donuts open in Alabama? And for bonus points, where and the date, in case we need a tiebreaker. <laughs> I'm going to say I have no clue because you're not going to like this. I'm a Krispy Kreme fan. Oh, man. See, oh. so this came up. This came up because I'm from Boston. And, 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 and they're everywhere. They're on every street corner. So when I came out here, I was, I was asking him, when did you get a Dunkin' Donuts? Like out in Alabama. And he's like... Oh, I think they've been here forever. So we looked it up, and we were very curious about the date. I'm going to say the last 15 years. Okay, just pick a year then. We'll, we'll put uh, a year down for you. Let's say 2005. All right, all right. You know, setting the bar pretty well. The other question I had, the other, oh. we had one more, and it was, uh, so I, I got in on the Uber IPO. Not my best financial decision at the moment. I'm going to look up the stock price on Robinhood right now, and I'm going to ask you if I should buy or sell this thing and why. I have 23 shares. I think I've lost uh, about 170. This is opening right up. Let's see what you're doing to me, Uber. <laughs> I don't know. if Did you get in on Uber? I did not. All right. So you're probably smarter than I am. Although Uber is up this morning. So buy or sell, Dooner, buy or sell yeah. his, his Uber IPO stock. So I, I, I am down 108.90. I have 23 shares. I bought them at 42.20. They're at 37.48 now. Should I buy or sell on Robinhood? I'm going to say buy. Yeah. Yeah, or hold. I guess yeah, it might yeah, get on hold, hold. Hold, I'd say hold. Yeah. yeah, I think it's gonna be like Facebook. I think it might go back. I think up. I think it will. I think it's a very it's an interesting concept. Yeah, if anybody can do it. They can. And we see what they're doing with Uber Freight and stuff. And there's some interesting. They're, they're branching out into other avenues than just trying to monetize on demand gig economy type uh, passenger service. Right. Nice. All right. So right now I'm holding, okay? So holding. if it keeps dropping, we'll find out from our next guest. Holding, listening to Susan Kirkpatrick. Thank you. You did Thanks, a great guys. job. Good to talk with you. you great too. to have you on. Hey, Susan, one last plug for you. How do, how do people find out about your company and uh, get in touch with you? Um, our company, our, uh, our, e our website address, www.buddymoretrucking.com. Uh, and I have a very easy email address, although I try to use all the letters in the alphabet, <laughs> skirkpatrick at buddymoretrucking.com. And we are family-owned. My dad is Buddy, 85 years old. He still comes to work every day. 
Nice. Wow. Yeah, enjoy well, McLeod's Finance Conference. Yeah, it's an honor to have you on. Thanks, Thanks. so much, guys. Hey, so we're here with David Custred. Da- David here at McLeod. You you work here at McLeod. On this is the new conference center. Uh, what do you what do you do at McLeod? Are you excited about the new digs? My teams are very excited about the new digs. We've actually have uh, our new conference center just opened. We also have our new training center just opened. So we have a tiered classroom downstairs that will be shifting some tracks out of here uh, next hour. Uh, we have 30 stations set up downstairs, uh, so it's a good environment. And when we designed this building, we really designed it from the customer viewpoint. So as the customers come in the door, the hallways are open, there's transportation themes from lights on the side to the tile to our customer lounge, a, a private place they can Customer meet. lounge? You have like a green room. We do. <laughs> oh, and the best part, you need to see our phone booths. So Ooh. we have private phone booths they can step in and make calls and do some work. But it's nice. about the customer experience. It's all kind of all kind of walking through, but open, airy, a lot of glass, a lot of windows. Um, and that's really a nice thing. It's a good experience for our customers. Have you done this before? Because you just gave me the perfect segue to the question I wanted to ask you. What customer experience do you want to deliver at the transportation, accounting, and finance conference that you guys are putting together today? What do you want all the guests here to take away? So this is our third year for an accounting uh, finance conference. Uh, and we've had different locations. It's exciting to have it here at our corporate headquarters. Uh, but what we're, look- we're looking for, this is not a McLeod-centric item. This is an industry item. So that's what we want our customers, our vendors, our partners to come in and to learn more about what's going in the industry, uh, what's current in the market, what's taking place, what are the trends and shifts, so they can make better decisions. And that's what we want. We want to provide that industry knowledge so everybody has better information and can make better decisions. Well, and speaking of markets and some of the things that are happening, of course, the interesting context of where we're at right now is uh, all this trade war uncertainty. We just heard Ibrahim uh, Bayan talk about it. Um, what, what, what do you, how do you think a conference like this can help us with our decision-making, especially in light of what's happening? Like, what, how, how are you feeling about things right now? Well, you kind of have to ask it the other way. How can this not help? Um, so to get these number of accounting, CFOs, controllers together, uh, have that type of expertise from Ibrahim of going through what's shifting, what's moving, uh, and we just had a little break, and during that break, it was interesting to see uh, the different partners that were talking among each other and talking about the information they just provided and making business decisions, um, and that's what we want. So that's, that's what you're looking for is, is give that information out there and let them make those decisions. You guys specialize in this stuff. So what software tools does McLeod have? Do you like TFS Optimizer, Financial Optimization, can really help some of these companies absorb that 25% tariff that in a lot of ways blindsided everyone. Everyone front-loaded in December, and then this was just on or after May 10th. Anything that's, that's already been booked, sold, there's tons of FOB invoices executed. What can these folks do to really to, to absorb this next couple of months before they can completely restructure their supply chain? Well, and I think even some of the customers mentioned earlier, they were here. Uh, there's some, some other prospects, but they were going to talk about some of the tool sets we have within our base, Loadmaster and Power Broker systems, uh, and some of the planning boards, the visibility of the data, uh, with the rates embedded in, with quick optimizations of those rates, uh, and then also some lane analysis piece. So they do drill down within those lanes and see what are those fixed and variable costs, just as he was talking about, uh, and they can match up along with some new products we've released, even like our new Top Match program where it's an optimization piece uh, and it helps you to select uh, that lane, that carry that you need to put on different items. 
Sweet. Uh, David, how long have you worked for McLeod? Well, I, I'm sure I look young, but uh, just at 21 years. Wow. Uh, okay. So I've been with Tom 21 years. Legal, and... legal drinking age. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you've, so you've been in McLeod for a while. Um, I don't know. Are you from Alabama? or? Are you... I am. I'm born and raised here in Alabama. Okay. Well, then this is perfect segue Whoa. for the uh, for our trivia question yeah. that we're asking everybody. Mm-hmm. We're going to see if you can um, be the winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. The question is... When did the first Dunkin' Donuts open in Alabama? Mm. And just give us your best mm-hmm. guess. Take it. Take a year uh, yeah. if you want to narrow wow. it down to a month and uh, a place yeah. um, that can you know even up your I odds. <laughs> See, and you're looking at Dunkin' Donuts, and as Southern boys, we look at Krispy Kreme. Yeah, now uh, I've been hearing so that's, that. That's why you make it so challenging yeah, with I that know. question. Um, I have no idea, but I'll throw out of uh, 1997. All right. Do you have a business card? I'll write your answer right on the back of that. Great. And then my one other question we've been asking is, I don't know if you had the same misfortune I did and got in on the Uber IPO, but I'm monitoring the stock right now. I got 23 shares, put a little over $1,000 in it. At this moment, it is worth uh, 866.87. I have lost $104. It is currently trading at 37.67. Should I hold or sell? I think you're pretty lucky that you only lost 104. Yeah. Uh, since it's back up, I would go for the sale. You think I should sell? You don't think I should hold it? You think I should sell it right now at 37? Oh, all right. Interesting. All right. Interesting. Interesting um, perspective. Great to have you on, David. Thank you so much. And uh, we will be announcing the winner of our uh, trivia contest um, very soon. So stay tuned. And uh, th- thanks for your time here on What the Truck. Thank you. All right, Chad. Well, we just opened the show up with some really interesting conversations about how the talk that Ibrahim had, some of these things about trade wars and driver shortages were going to affect some of the people that we met. And they're back in another session right now. They're talking about managing security risks. What do yeah. you think that that entails at this McLeod conference? Uh, I think that security risk, you're, you're talking there's probably going to be some cybersecurity talk. Mm, yeah. There's going to be, uh, you know, how do we, you know, just secure our, our, our trucks, you know, as well. Um, oh, you mean like the actual like physical trucks, the locations, yeah. GPS data, maybe even automated data as we I start think, to get more futuristic, right? I think right now in the tech world that we're living in and you're talking security risk, you're talking about people coming in your back door, mm. right? You're talking yeah. about um, malware how, Trojans. Yes. How to how to have your, you know, your fleet safety, your your like. Um, not having people come in your back door and, uh, yeah, just like how you said it, you know, um, but, it, um, and, and I know that th- this is going to continue to be an industry issue, uh, for, for a while. And I, actually, I think security, I haven't, I'm not sharp, sharp on this topic, uh, uh, like recently, but, um, it's a very hot topic in the industry. Um, some would argue not hot enough. I think it's a huge space. Yeah. Like, you know, like as tech is expanding, security of that data is going to be become more and more important. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with you. And I think that data and the regulation of data and the security of it needs to be taken a lot more seriously than it currently is. And we hear about there's a lot of underreported attacks that happen. But like even we were talking about the Falcon story. They had two ransomware attacks. Maersk has had a ransomware attack. Costco's had ransomware attacks. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's on the radar, especially with things like Bitcoin. It makes untraceable trading. So it really makes ransomware attractive to nefarious actors. Yes. 
and we can only imagine what they are saying in there right now. Mm. Uh, but um, maybe we should. Yeah, let's jump in the assembly, yeah. and then we'll then we'll talk to some of the people who are in that who know a little bit about this risk side, and we'll we'll fill in the blanks. Right? Sounds great, man. Okay, let's do it. Oh, dude, there's no choice there. The hat's the thing. Of course. Yeah. You need it, definitely. On. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, I'm modeling? <laughs> We're here. So Ben Barnes has just sat down with us. He was leading the the general session over there on managing security risks. He is the chief security information officer here at McLeod. And, uh... Geez, so we were just setting up out here. We sat in for most of your sessions, some really interesting things. Chad, did you have any questions for him? I mean, I have a billion. Well, yeah, and let's let's start with something broad. I think it's an important, you know, let's start with start with this talking point, uh, Ben, is why is cybersecurity such an important issue? It could should, should be a very hot issue in the transportation space in 2019 and moving forward here. Sure, so thank you guys for having me. And uh, I'd answer that by saying, you know, uh, every industry is under attack right now for from a cyber crime, but the transportation industry is just such a low hanging fruit because they're we're a little bit behind in the in the form mm. of trying to prevent cyber crimes, and getting out in front of that audience and speaking more and sharing our experiences is just high on the on my list personally for 2019. Getting everybody together and talking about the the problem is is. Uh, step number one, right? We, we don't talk about it a whole lot, and the transportation industry needs some heightened awareness there. So heightening that awareness, getting uh, our, our customers as well as anybody in the transportation industry to kind of do the right thing uh, and, and take those steps forward to prevent some of those attacks is uh, is high on the list. Yeah, it seems like for such a long time, it was like, if you if you parallel it to people's home security, it's like everyone's just waiting for their house to get broken into before they call ADT or put in the alarm system. You brought up a very interesting thing up there because security really isn't that great. So you're focusing on encryption. Encryption is so important because even if they steal the data, they can't decode it. So tell us a little bit about encryption, how hard that is to crack, and why it is so important, such a core focus. Right. So the one of the examples I gave in my presentation was that that, you know, all of us travel, right, or a good portion of us travel, and we leave our laptop laying somewhere and somebody steals it or breaks a car window and takes it. Well, your laptop's wide open. It has a password on it, right? A password takes five minutes to get into sometimes. So uh, when it's encrypted, you can't read that information without a decryption key. Those keys are 128 or 256-bit encryption keys, so they're not hackable for, for you know, years to come. Now, some point in the future, it might be hackable. But So you can't get to that information. So if, you're, if you have critical information, financial information, payroll information, things that are important to your company, proprietary information, encrypting that laptop, encrypting that server, encrypting that data, not only on the system, but data what we call in flight or in transit, uh, making sure that data can't be broken into is, is one of the things that we're talking about uh, more and more. And that, you know, things like banking uh, and healthcare do that already we got to get that in the transportation industry. We really do. Uh, one of the things you say are, are one of the, your big talking points that you really are trying to emphasize is, is, is creating more employee awareness. Um, how, how do you get everyone to buy in? Like, where are, also in a company, like, where are some of our greatest vulnerabilities? How can, you know, everybody get on board with the security thing without, it? I guess, you know, just kind of being 
something that just feels like it's getting in the way of things. Sure. So, so security is all of our responsibility, right? It's a corporate responsibility. A lot of times I hear somebody say, well, security, that's an IT thing. No, it's not. It, it is everybody's responsibility. Part of that in the biggest attack vector is is human error, right? Is the, is the human side, either phishing or uh, malware, just click here, you know, click here to pay you, make your payment. Oh, I clicked it and all of a sudden, boom. So heightening that awareness. Now, you know, is it a corporate standpoint or a private standpoint? All of those matter. So it's, it's important to all of us and, and we should all take it to heart because it's not only you affecting your company, but you have personal stuff uh, on your phone, you know, and mm-hmm. it's no different there. You have personal stuff at home. So uh, making people aware that you can't just blindly click. And one of the things I say all the time is you can't let convenience trump security. You have to put a nice balance in both. Yeah, you, well, you were talking about phishing, and it's funny because, like, I have malware bytes on my computer. I run it all the time. A lot of times you find you find the Trojans were on there. But there's another one that I think almost anyone in any company has come across, which is the spoofing of email, where they say, hey, uh, this is the, it's usually the boss of the company. Right. They're like, hey, I need you to run a real quick task for me. And I like to mess with these people, and I like to troll the hell out of them. So what I usually do is I say, like, hey, um, okay, oh, what do you need? And they always tell you to go get gift cards or something and then scratch the numbers off and send it to them. So I, I really will, like, Google image search, like, a gift card stand and I'll just be like well they only got Bojangles gift cards is that okay and they get so mad it's so fun to do what do you recommend in dealing with that and getting that message across in companies so they don't I mean so not everyone's wasting their time trolling scammers sure yeah so um, you know I like your maybe you have the best answer there you know just just spam them back and, and overload them where they can't do it anymore uh, the best thing is the delete key Right. I mean, just hit delete. You, you can't give those things a second thought. You've got to. Now, from an IT perspective, we can do things through uh, third party software to try to filter those before they get to the end user. But if I if I filter 999 and one gets through and you click on it and like you say, the president says, hey, go buy me an Apple gift card for a thousand dollars and you run out and do that and send them the code. There's a thousand dollars gone. Now, did you pay it on your personal credit card or a corporate credit card? Still, you know, uh, security is a corporate event, right? And everybody's responsible, so uh, it hits us all. When, you know, the topic of ransomware comes up, you know, from time to time, and I think, like, you know, depending on how you you have to pay for it, like, do do you have? Is there a one size fits all solution, or is there? I mean, is there just a never pay ransomware, or in fact? Maybe at times you might want to strategically choose to buy to 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 pay that ransom. Um, what what's at stake and who's do do people do it? Yeah. So there's a there's a no size fits all. So is the answer <laughs> there right? Uh, we have uh, known of incidents where you pay the ransom and it works successful. We know of incidents you pay the ransom and it doesn't, and we know of incidents that a good plan says, "Hey, I got hit by ransomware. I'm just going to start over. I've got a backup right here beside me and and reload and go on." So I- each incident is different, um, and depending on the size of attack, the FBI has some guidance mm. there. Uh, and, and they'll never say to, to pay. Yeah, right? they won't necessarily say not pay, but they will never say pay. They can say you have to make a business decision based on what you see fit. Um, you know, the the big Sam Sam ransomware, which is the one that's hit a lot of cities, hit Atlanta and hit some of the uh, city out in Colorado and some of the other ones. Those guys wanted to be the ethical hackers, so they wanted to be known. If you pay them, you're going to get your keys. Okay. So that it depends on the attacker base too. Now they shut uh, the, the federal government finally got a hold of those guys over. Uh, they can't extradite them over in Iran, but they finally shut their operation down. So the Sam Sam threat has has gone uh, diminished a lot. I don't. I can't say it's gone forever, but. Um, so it depends on depends on what the attack is. Yeah, see, I was covering this Falcon Transport. They went out of business recently, and they had two ransomware attacks. And one of them was 
was they it was only three Bitcoin, but Bitcoin was sixteen thousand at the time. This was a couple of years ago. FBI, if you've ever watched an action movie, they treat it just like kidnapping. Never pay ransom, right. which is fine, but for you it's forty thousand, and being shut down for two weeks cost them two million dollars. Not always the best option. And it's funny you mention the ethical hacker, hackers because people will say, well, what incentive do they have to release your stuff when you pay them? And it's like, well, because they're probably backdooring your system and they want you to make more money so they can steal it again and they want to create their own sort of pirate economy. So in a sense, they almost do. So what kind of advice, though, or what kind of security measures do people put in place? Because that is so murky, right? Pay or not pay? Do we even get our stuff back? How do we move forward with business? Yeah, it's no guarantee, right? It's extortion in its finest. Um, it, it, it is murky. Uh, the thing is what you call and what's known as a kill chain, right? How quick can you kill that event from happening? If it gets all your network and everything, and like you say, it's $40,000 versus two weeks of downtime or the, or the uh, company you're working with is now out of business, Forty grand doesn't seem that much. Now, forty grand out of my pocket is a lot. But uh, again, each situation is so unique, and you have to you have to take everything in uh, everything in stride. And a good instant plan helps take out the confusion and take out. You know, there's a lot of chatter that goes on in there, and you got you got all your people at the office that are they're saying what's going on. You have all your customers saying what's going on, but it puts a calmness to that. And even though it might be uh, costly to do some of those acts, you have a plan, and you can follow that roadmap. So would you say, Ben, that humans are the biggest vulnerability in companies? Or what, what would you say is the biggest vulnerability that we have? Um, and what, what are some essentials that we need, uh, you know, for us to say, if we're, if we're, say we're, a, we're a secure company, what would you say just like, please at least do X, Y, Z? Well, none of us are absolutely secure. That's the one thing we have to understand. Uh, I, I, I made mention in my thing, the only way to have a secure connection is to uh, unplug it from the Internet encase it in concrete and sink at the bottom of the ocean. So uh, kill chain is important, but you also have to have a lot of front-end steps. There, there are all kind of technical devices out there. There's a security operations center. There's an intrusion protection system. There's a firewall. There's all these buzzwords I can sit here and talk about. But, it, but at the end of the day, you've got to have a good security mindset. And is that an outsourced group that's helping you, or is that a you know, person on staff? You have to put together a security action plan and put down the... Uh, footwork and the footprints of a good framework to provide yourself. Who is behind these attacks? I mean, I remember back in the mid-2000s, there was a big, like, Nigerian scammer thing that was going on. I think they were called, like, 401 or 405 scams. But who are the... And because we kind of also, when we're giving this advice, we have to be careful. And some of it you want to smoke screen because hackers are smart. If you say, well, we're doing exactly this, they'll go, okay, they're doing server diversification. We need more worms. So there's only so much you want to even reveal other than talk to an expert and get some advice. But... Who, who right now are the kind of the actors that are operating in this space? Is it going to be narrowed down at all? So uh, I would say uh, they're they're in countries that have no extradition treaties, right? That's that's the big thing. Um, and you find an occasional hacker that's uh, gotten around it somehow, and we catch up to by we, I mean the U.S. the the law enforcement arm, or in and the British, the European arm is even is stronger than our arm um, from shutting down some of these uh, attacks, but. You know, you, you can you can buy a uh, a gateway that's called Hide My Ass over in Europe, and you that, that's literally the name. I didn't make it up, and they will cl- <laughs> they will clone your connection for you. So I could be in you know Canada cloning my connection through Europe back to the U.S. and you, you can't really be tracked. Yeah. Um, it's it's crazy. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, we are tracking you. You, you, Ben. Are you from Alabama? I am from Alabama. You, my my uh, accent give it away. 
<laughs> no, I mean, we're just like kind of contextualized yeah. here in, in Alabama. And, uh, you know, so we know that, uh, you know, Krispy Kreme, you know, they've, they've been around for a long time. But when, Ben, did the first Dunkin' Donuts open up in Alabama? Uh, and if you want, for bonus points, um, you know, the where and the month. But no, just the year, just the year. I'm going to take a scientific guess and say 19 or 1922 in mobile alabama wow whoa he's going way <laughs> back almost a century as if they've been here forever i've been here uh, can you write that guess down do you have your business card yeah sure. write it back i'll All drop right. it in our little fishbowl over here and then my second one because this is a finance one and uber is a big topic i bought 23 shares of uber on the ipo it is trading at well it's actually up today i'm doing a little bit better it's up uh geez you know Two point two percent. It's uh, I bought it at forty two twenty. I'm only down negative ninety nine now. <laughs> negative nine nine seventy. It's at thirty seven eighty seven. Do I hold or sell? Hold, hold. Yeah, hold. yeah. See, I'm I'm sticking with hold too. I'm a, I'm but a what's the incentive? Let's go for it. Yeah. A lot of people are are feeling that way as well. Although I don't know. Yeah, since you're down. Yeah, I kind of uh, I think that's good. That's good advice there, Ben. You don't lose money till you sell. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's Ben. Do you want to tell us like how can people get in touch with you if they have any further questions about security, cyber risk? Um, what's your what's your email? What, what's your Twitter tag? Yeah, so I'll, we'll go through both of those. So um, the, the McLeod uh, Finance and Accounting Conference we're having this week is a great event. We're showcasing our new facilities while we're holding this event. It's got our new conference center in it, so we're. Uh, really proud of that, and uh, we're going to do, I'm actually going to get a little plug here for myself, we're going to do a cyber conference in October, I believe the date is the 22nd, with some more information to come, so we're going to have a big conference that pulls in, you know, the industry for just talking about cyber uh, initiatives and different things and heightening that awareness. So uh, to get in touch with me, you can call our main number at 205-823-5100 or email me at ben.barnes, pretty simple, at mcleodsoftware.com. And you should do it. Cybersecurity is one of the most crucial aspects of your supply chain. Remember that data is a core component of it. Like we said, that three Bitcoin could shut you down. $40,000 could shut you down for over $2 million. That business is out of business now. Don't be them. Yeah. Get in touch with Ben. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. Uh, thanks for being on, Ben. And don't forget to take your freight waves cap. Thanks for being a part. All right. We're joined by none other than the CEO and founder of McLeod himself, Tom McLeod. Welcome back to What the Truck. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, we've had a great turnout for the conference and it looks like it'll be a great day. Yeah, well, we just got to take a tour. We had a little bit of downtime, so we took a tour of your building. It just opened right here. In is this Hoover, Alabama, or is this Birmingham? Is Hoover the county? Uh, Hoover's the name of the city. Okay. Uh, we're in Shelby County. Hoover actually spans uh, Jefferson and Shelby County. So we've moved into the um, city of Hoover, but we've uh, moved into a greatly expanded facility. Yeah. We've invested uh, in order to uh, establish a platform where we can continue to grow and expand, improve our internal communication, and serve the industry better. Uh, we think this sets the stage for... Uh, a lot of good things for years to come. Well, my takeaway from going through here is I really like the modern space. You kind of took what startup culture is trying to do with a lot of the cool, fun things to attract younger people, but you still retain some of your identity and some of the identity of the area, like naming meeting rooms after some of the towns in Alabama. There's just some fun injection there, so you're not totally sanitizing where you came from, and I really think that's cool. Well, um, one thing we've maintained is, uh, by and large, uh, individual offices – uh, despite all the 
uh, hype around open space, uh, it seems to me that's more of an economic play. It's just cheaper to do it that way. And people like it for the first couple of days, and then they <laughs> want to then they want to yeah. get to kind of a quiet place where they can get some work done. Yeah, and, people uh, like their space. That's uh, long served us well. To, uh, uh, for the majority of our people, have a individual office where they can close the door when necessary to get quiet and focus and uh, get work done for the customer. Most everybody uh, occasionally gets on a speaker phone with several people in the room to uh, communicate with the customer. Uh, when they're working on something, and uh, the, the individual office uh, works there as well. So, well, it really is a a really cool multifunctional space that you've got. Um, I love the 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 sixth floor, the top floor. You're right on a balcony. Lots of windows. It's got to be an attractive, uh, an attractive place for for uh, for for people to come. One of the funny things, it's a real thing, is the Goosenator. Tell mm-hmm. us about the Goosenator. Well, uh, yeah, I, I agree that it, it creates an attractive work environment. Uh, the landscaping in the uh, uh, office park uh, is wonderful. That We've got a large uh, pond with a fountain uh, just outside our uh, office. And, and by the way, there's a, this gives us great local visibility, which helps us in recruiting. This is kind of a landmark building that's uh, known in the area, so that uh, helps us as well. But the pond also attracts uh, geese, mm-hmm. the Canada geese, uh, which are fond of uh, walking on the sidewalk and doing what the geese do uh, on sidewalks. So uh, our facilities manager was able to locate a device which is actually named Goosenator. <laughs> and it, uh, we'd, we'd actually tried dog, uh, a trained dog to run the geese off, which worked for a couple of days, but then they came back. So it's it, like a real thing. Like you can, it's goosenator.com. You, you know, our audience should check it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, the, it's remote control coyote. It's basically mm-hmm. what it is. But it, 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 it can also go straight into the water. And um, they, you know, give you some instructions on how to best uh, coordinate it to run the geese off. But once they, uh, you've run them off for two or three days, they say it imprints and they'll stay away. Uh, you may have a new flock that comes by, but by and large, we've, um, you know, uh, we don't see many geese now using the gooseinator. So th- this is a right now. Right now, we're at the finance and accounting, the transportation finance and accounting conference. Some great topics, and you're talking about things like cybersecurity. Some some areas that are maybe under focused by corporations, but the technology is there. We can build it. We can make it better. What has you excited though for the rest of 2019 and beyond today? You, do you have any new products coming out? Um, are you looking to expand at all? You've got this new building. You must be gearing up for something. Well, yeah. Not only are we investing in facilities, we're investing in product development to try and keep up with uh, what's going on in the industry. Uh, And the pace of change seems to be picking up uh, speed. Um, But a couple of things we're working on, um, in addition to uh, the um, uh, big data, data science, and artificial intelligence is one of the things that we're doing to help our our customers make better use of their internal data, uh, make better decisions on pricing, on load acceptance, uh, and on management of the drivers, and those are uh, coming out in our products. We're also um, uh, working on a product for trip management to improve the ability of real ETAs using historical traffic patterns, and then once a uh, load is underway, being able to use real-time traffic and real-time weather to get very accurate ETAs 
help the driver uh, that's in route and in progress uh, pick better places to stop and uh, you know, manage it, um, the time better that's available as the uh, ELD rules obviously are enforcing strict limits on the driving time. So trip management is a big thing, maximizing the productivity and, and uh, driver time. Uh, we're also uh, trying to help our customers in, with better engagement of their drivers. And one of the things they uh, want to do is uh, offer driver more input on the loads that they haul. So we've, we're automating and uh, uh, in conjunction with our driver app, uh, working on a process to give the driver choice, several choices of whether they're an owner operator or a company driver, um, more choices about the, you know the loads that they haul, being able to see them ahead of time, feeling like they're uh, consulted and more engaged in the whole load selection process. So those are a couple of teases of some really cool things you guys got going on. You're bringing out soon, right? So yeah. Uh, so so we're um so you know we're here at um at the McLeod 2019 conference. You guys have done this for uh, three years now. You know, the context, there's a lot of trade uncertainty, um, a lot of things going on. You're right. It's a rapid change of pace, like pace happening in the in um, in the industry. How does a conference like this help uh, the the financial people, the, the those decision makers? Like, how is it going to help them prepare for our current context and what's going on today? Well, you know, we have a wonderful uh, conference, uh, general conference. Uh, typically in the fall, um, which has uh, an enormous turnout. Um, but this conference lets us focus exclusively on accounting and finance issues, and we've been really pleased with very strong engagement uh, from our customers, uh, people in the accounting group, uh, that are looking to use the information that's in their system better, that are looking to deal with uh, issues that are affecting the accounting and this year there are a fair number of accounting rule changes uh, the uh, association of uh, CPAs has uh, seen fit to change many of the generally accepted accounting principles uh, of all things on for revenue recognition uh, and some of the accounting rules so there's a, a lot to deal with this year and it's going to affect many of the uh, the capital intensive uh, companies like trucking companies, so it's very important for them to gear up and understand those rules ahead of time. So we're seeing very strong engagement from our, our customer base, and we want to see them be able to manage better, be better run companies, and, and use the tools that are available to them much better. Well, Tom, you're doing the Lord's work here, bringing this awareness in terms of what software can do and how much it can help carriers and shippers. I think that it's a market that is really starting to embrace it. It's really starting to come along, and it, and it should, because I've seen, I've personally seen the results. And I've seen these savings that companies can get by leveraging their own data, being smart with it, thinking about some of these security aspects. I think we're, it's almost crucial now, right? It's almost crucial to get in the game. Well, uh, over time, we've seen the maturity and improvement in uh, the way that companies uh, are managed. And obviously, the better managed companies are going to compete more effectively in the marketplace. We're certainly trying to do our part to help promote a uh, diverse and uh, well-managed uh, segment of the industry uh, so that we've got lots of healthy companies in the ecosystem. And uh, the companies that manage better are obviously going to compete more effectively and uh, earn more market share over time. 
Right. Well, um, you know, Tom, you've been here, uh, you've been in the uh, area uh, a long time. You've seen a lot of changes in Alabama. So we've got a trivia question we're asking everybody. And and I know you've seen, you know, Krispy Kreme's been, been around, you know, forever. But um, when did Dunkin' Donuts first start here in Alabama? What year? Just give us a year. Just uh, it seemed like they were late arrival. We're really Krispy Kreme territory <laughs> down here, but yeah, um, I, it came up because I come from Boston, so there it's yeah. ubiquitous there. It's on every single street corner. Yeah. It's a landmark. We, we might have had one in 1995. All right, 1995. okay, 1995. Will oh, yeah. duly noted. We will reveal the winner after the conference. And the last one I had, and this is just a little bit of fun. So I got in on the Uber IPO. I don't know if you were as unlucky as I was, but I got 23 shares of Uber. I still believe in it, but I know that this is a finance one. And um, it is $37.95 right now. I spent $42.20. I'm down $97, 10%. You think I should hold it or sell it? Well, Tim, I know you're a long-term investor, so uh, <laughs> it's a hold. You, you, you want to hold on to it at least for a year or yeah. two years. You wouldn't have wanted to try to flip it in a, in a week, which would <laughs> not be a good idea. <laughs> that, that usually doesn't work out. So uh, we'll see. Uh, it's quite remarkable what a you know company that came in to replace taxi service you know has done in terms of market and market valuation of seventy-five billion dollars. You know yeah. on. on a, it's funny, day. too, right? Because it was so negative against it, but it was still a pretty high valuation at the end of the day. It's right, just that the IPO right. dropped yeah. and, you know, everyone goes crazy. Uh, so do you have any plugs? Uh, what, what do you want to get out there? What should our listeners, what's the very next thing they should do if they want to learn more about McLeod and get more involved in your conferences or your services or to work with you guys? Call our number, you know, two, <laughs> 205-823-5100. We need a jingle for that. <laughs> certainly our certainly our website you know a lot of information there yes. but uh, yeah we we're uh, out and active we participate in 35 or 40 conferences each year so we're wow. uh, out and amongst we we uh, you know we're at customer sites uh, every week uh, we're holding training classes here internally uh, obviously our facility is open uh, you know for meetings for people uh, um, here in town uh, we put on several conferences uh, throughout the year, our next, our big annual user conference is coming up uh, August uh, 25th, and we'll be at the new right in Denver. Gaylord Rockies in the Denver, Colorado area. A brand new, uh, new Gaylord facility, uh, hotel. We're looking forward to a great turnout and a great meeting there. We are very much wanting to be there and be a part of that as well. Looking forward to it. And you guys have just been, whether it's the Southern hospitality or just building a good culture here at, uh, at McLeod, it is really fun to be here. Thanks for joining us on the podcast again, Tom. Thank you, Chad. You've been a true gentleman. And, and like I said, I came from, I came here from the Northeast and the, uh, it's not a fake stereotype. Southern hospitality is real. It's in these walls. And McLeod has done an excellent job of taking care of us and showing us around. We really appreciate All being right. here, and this is a great conference. All right. Well, Tim, I'll see if I can get you a leftover biscuit from breakfast. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And some gravy. I need, I need a ladle of gravy. So I hear. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. What the truck. <laughs> So we're here uh, back again at the McLeod Transportation and Financing, easy for me to say, conference, the third annual one, 2019. We are here with CFO Casey Burleson. Man, and welcome to the show, first-time guest. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're uh, excited about our conference, and um, we love uh, Freight Waves, so 
thanks for the coverage. Well, Casey, we'd like to just give a shout out. We all just had lunch, so we're going to try and bring the energy back into this room. I had a big plate of macaroni and cheese. I thought I took the last scoop, and I thought I'd... Then they brought out a brand new plate, and it was on. Uh, who's the company you use, like the catering company? Because this is a little shout out to them, because that was delicious. Yeah, Jim stuff. and Nick's, uh, Long Term, Long Time, Birmingham barbecue joint we got a lot of good ones here but uh jim and x is a favorite yeah i can see why uh, you could get a little addicted to those baked beans alone plus the sauces i mean the sauces just make it. it's like in a mexican restaurant it's the salsa mm-hmm. at barbecue it's it is it's it's the sauce, it's in the name. right? Uh, anyway, uh, it is great to have you here with us. We are honored. This is fun. And, you know, like, so it's an interesting time that this conference is coming along. Like, you know, uh, what are some of the talking points? What are some of the things that people are, like, wanting to talk about that you're seeing so far? You know, we've been, we've um, had a good morning, uh, stimulating morning. What are some of the questions that are coming up? What are what are some of the things that um, the participants uh, have really been, um, you know, just eager to learn more about? Yeah, well, this is a real technical conference. Um, we intentionally just get into the uh, the grit of accounting and the grit of a uh, carrier or broker, and it's very high velocity. It's very complex. Um, due to the margins in the industry, you know, most of the accounting departments run very very lean. And so um, they have to be extremely organized and, you know, really have the best platforms to deal with all the data and the interfaces that you face, you know, as a carrier or broker. Um, We also have a lot of tax legislation changes now that we're just adjusting to from 2018 and the first tax return uh, season that we just got through with those. Um, And then also, um, you know, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, um, I've made a number of gap changes on uh, leasing, and uh, so we're seeing carriers uh, here in the next couple of years have to bring a lot of assets on the books and a lot of debt uh, that was not before. And uh, so balance sheets are changing, uh, and the banking and uh, credit markets are having to uh, kind of retool for that. You know, I come from the the previous job I was at was dealing with the financial side of this freight accruals dealing with freight bill audits. And one thing that I really noticed when I was in that side of the field was that instead of having a holistic approach to all of this, you're looking at a very siloed approach. So you would have transportation departments doing bookings and billings. And then by the time it got to the finance or accounting department, they, I mean, they had no idea what the charges were from, so they would just pay it or things would be delayed or payments wouldn't go out. There's a lot of revenue and capital that's tied up by not allowing these two departments to communicate. Some of McLeod and having a conference like this, what are you trying to bridge between the supply chain to really make a cohesive approach so people can really leverage what they're doing? Right. You're correct. Uh, shippers, you know, um, really face um, a lot of sensitivity in their freight cost. Um, and to take care of their, um, you know, end customers and stuff, they have to uh, manage their, their cost of freight. And um, so, you know, they're, they're very conscientious when they go to market. They drive hard bargains uh, with carriers. Uh, they know that it's a, uh, a volatile market. Um, and so, um, you know, our carriers uh, and our brokers, you know, are constantly uh, just having to stay in touch um, uh, with the market, with where rates are at, um, and really in, um, you know, finding balance and doing what they need to do with their resources and their drivers and they're logistics professionals, but at the same same time, uh, being really competitive for shippers, you know, providing, uh, you know, great on-time service, but at the best, most competitive rates. Um, and, you know, 
the freight bills are complex at times, a lot of detail, and, um, you know, shippers are charged with uh, auditing in that. And so it's really, you know, multiple uh, parties involved sharing information, um, and uh, there's a lot of friction. This industry um, has always been um, a very hardworking industry and, and one focused on uh, efficiency and cost, um, but due to the you know advent of uh, information systems and all that and tools evolving, there's always been a lot of friction. And, and then, so yeah, like you said, capital gets tied up and kind of who's floating who comes to the surface. But now in this new era, um, we're seeing the fr- friction reduce tremendously and uh, business practices improved and uh, we're now in a new industry. You know, uh, we were just at the Transparency 19 conference and, you know, we we heard a lot of interesting speakers like Brad Jacobs um, talk about like, you know, market volatility being good for, you know, certainly for a carrier like XBO. I think also you might say that volatility could be good for uh, for a broker. Um, but like, what are your feelings about volatility? What are we seeing? Like what, what are market conditions such as we're seeing right now? I think that we've had such a long steady run, um, that, uh, what we saw in the first quarter of the year was maybe a little bit of shock to some people. Um, and that, uh, shippers are starting to, um, maybe get a little leverage back, um, and, you know, trying to renew some contracts and, and maybe swing their weight around a little bit. Um, so they can kind of, um, make up for 18, which is really hard, expensive year for a lot of shippers. And I think one of the things I got from the conference and, um, I'm kind of, I'm stealing this, uh, I can't remember the source, but I thought it was a great comment that, you know, that there's a lot of players in the market that win through the volatile market and, and find ways to take advantage of, uh, it. And, uh, that's, you know, sort of the role of an intermediary at times. It's created uh, the role of brokerage, the role of 3PL, and we've seen those industries continue to thrive. Um, And now with the freight futures market, though, that's going to create some new opportunities and maybe even level the playing field where there's there's more knowledge, there's more information, um, a lot faster, and really um, bring all these parties together and maybe reduce some of the volatility in the market. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons that a, you know, a broker would thrive off volatility is because they can't offer you anything when it's static. They can't leverage for or against a good or a bad market. That's what they need. They need that activity to happen to get you excited and to get you either fearful or excited about doing new business. Freight agnostic, that's something that we were, that I, I, that I've been preaching a lot on there, especially after kind of opening my eyes by being on the coverage side. I've worked for 3PLs and I don't know if everyone knows this, but like they, they have certain capacity they have to fill through contracts as their brokers, with whomever their partners are, which means that software is more important than ever because it gives you that transparency on what's actually happening. Because a third party, a third party broker, they are going to optimize freight for you a little bit, but it's really optimized for them. So they're filling the trucks they need to go to the places they need to go instead of necessarily where you need your shipments going. And I think that that's sort of the transparency that software like McLeod is trying to bring to some of these shippers, right? Yeah, um, we've had a long legacy, um, uh, you know, being very agnostic to uh, all vendors in the marketplace um, and offering a lot of choice to our customers uh, to interface with who they want. Um, we, we see uh, really carriers use the same mindset that they use for equipment. Carriers want to really 
build the best equipment. And oftentimes they, they piece that equipment together. Well, we, we see that same philosophy and mindset brought to technology. Their, their technology stack is, is very wide and very deep. Um, and they, they all have different operating characteristics and operating needs. And so we really give them an opportunity to build a best-in-class, best-in-breed um, platform. And uh, they do that, but at the same time, it's very challenging. You know, you have to really think about um, what you're doing and the interfaces and in and, and our changing tech world, they're hard to maintain. So we take a lot of pride in um, helping CIOs with that and, and carriers and brokers tech, tech departments. And um, we also work very, very closely with the vendors. Um, so, you know, it's a very fascinating industry. Um, and as technology is improving and as the vendors are improving, we're, we're starting to kind of see the next level of maturity. And um, I think shippers and consignees and um, the whole industry is, is taking a new shape and a healthier shape. You know, so you, you mentioned tech um, and the context. Where another part of our context is there's this developing trade war situation. Um, you know, like, so how does the, uh, the trade war affect your, um, you know, your, I guess we could also call it political volatility, but how, how does it affect your, your day-to-day operations and, and, and how can tech help? Right. Well, I think the trade war, as we saw um, this morning in the economic, um, you know, forecast and dynamics, um, the, the trade war is uh, starting to um, have some impact on uh, production. I think that people have uh, stalled a little bit. They're trying to wait and see what's going to happen. And, um, you know, China and the U.S. need to get things worked out quickly um, or we could get some um, probably fear in the market that it's probably not going to be good for for anyone. Um, So, you know, we, we are concerned about this. We hope they iron it out. Because we want things to normalize, we found in the in the years at McLeod that a uh, slow and steady market is uh, the most helpful for people to make decisions with and move forward with. It's when things get, you know, uncertain as when all purchasing tends to slow down. Yeah, I mean, especially for shippers, you know, sir, sure the um, the brokers may may benefit from the volatility, but from a shipper, you really and that's why shippers get into contracts. You know, they want to know what they're going to be paying month to month, week to week, day to day. This kind of blindsided people came out of nowhere. Um, it's developing. We're going to see what happens. It probably won't really hit the market for you know X amount of days, maybe a month and a half if you're a carrier. Because all the stuff that's already shipped, I mean, it's already and it's already in production. It's not going to hurt. But I think we've been on the serious side of the swimming pool for far too long in this conversation. So we have a question for you, sir. I am from the, uh, the Northeast myself. And uh, we got into the conversation of Krispy Kreme and Dunkin' Donuts. And I was curious, this is our trivia question, when did the first Dunkin' Donuts open in Alabama? And for bonus points, where? Okay, I'm going to say Dunkin' came to Bama about seven years ago. Mm. And uh, I want to say it was right here in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you're close. You're very close. We're not going to give away the answer yet, but you were, you're, you're very close. So 2012 is what you're saying? It, about 2012-ish? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, we'll need you to write that down on your business card so we can keep up. Put that in the hat for the potential winner of What the Truck. Also, uh, another fun question. We are asking uh, all of our... Uh, our, all of our guests for this episode is, you know, Uber, huge high valuation. Well, Dooner got into the game and he was, uh, he's playing the stock. Should he 
You, you, you I'll, give, well, I'll, I'll give you up to the date. So I got 23 shares. I got in at 42.20, right? It's trading at, well, it's up to 38.12 right now. I've only lost $93.95 so far. Should I hold or should I sell my Uber stock? Hold. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. I think it's going to be like Facebook. It's going to go, Facebook dropped really fast when it first came out as an IPO, and then it went back. Yeah. Right? I think the Uber name is kind of a staple already, but um, we have to sort of realize we're still probably in the early stages and a lot of room to roll. Well, we're hearing that response a surprising amount. I mean, they're getting a lot of kind of bad press about, you know, what are their real financials and is this an inflated valuation? But so far here at the uh, the hip, optimistic uh, tech conference of sorts, you know, of course, with McLeod yeah. Software, um, you guys are kind of advising, hold, play it long on Uber. All right. Well, what do you think, actually, while we have you, what do you think of, of Uber Freight? They're entering the market. I know I've heard truckers, truckers themselves on boards, they kind of like... They like they they don't like volatility either. So they like that Uber Freight that's a convenient interface. They can go into it, they can book a shipment, and then they know they'll get paid three days later without getting a, a dropped load. And I'm seeing that you guys have products that are kind of similar, allowing truckers, or you're, you guys may have one that's in the works or in, in in the gears coming out. So what is your feeling on that and sort of that gig economy and putting a little power back to the carrier? Yeah. Um I'm a firm believer in customer experience and, um, you know, they've set the standard, um, in speed and ease. Um, and I think it's a, a magical model. Uh, the industry I came from before was actually the food industry and, uh, the fast casual days, uh, in 2001. And, um, you know, when we look back at things, uh, the, the key really was just how fast we could get the food to the customer. And that really made them, made them happy. And that was a, a difference maker. So, we're in an economy of speed and convenience, and uh, Uber's executed on it. And keeping the customer happy is what it's all about. And we're not really your customers. We're your partners. But, boy, have you all made us feel welcome here at this McLeod conference. You guys got a cool, hip building. You got the gooseinator keeping the goose poop away. <laughs> Very impressive uh, all the way around. Lots of windows, lots of natural light. Thanks for, for, for bringing us here. Great to be in Birmingham um, and great to have you have you on as our inaug- an inaugural appearance, Casey. So join us again. Yeah, I would love to, Chad and Tim. Yeah, I was, I was going to say you have a sign out front of this new building, this beautiful new building that says 2019, best place to work, McLeod. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I have no uh, contention and no debate to put up with that sign after coming in here. It wasn't just a bunch of fluff. There really is that Southern hospitality is, is true. It's not, a, it's not a myth. You're hearing that straight out of a guy from Boston. We appreciate that. Wow. Well, <laughs> well, we're back, man. We're back in Chattanooga. We survived Alabama. It was actually it was a fun trip, wasn't it? Beautiful weather. Yeah, and uh, you know it was fun to ride down there in my my new uh, hybrid mm. uh, vehicle and uh, hardly use any gas. Well, ironically, though, we did almost run out of gas because there was a very long stretch of highway <laughs> where we were just like. Going and going and going. I know. And- there's that stretch coming out of Alabama, coming out of Birmingham in Alabama, where I mean, there. I, so we had 98 miles to go on yeah. my on my um, you know indicator, and uh, and I mean, I was like, well, the very next gas station I see, we're gonna take. Yeah. Didn't see one see, until it- I was down to 24 gallons or miles to go. Dude, it was literally about 66 miles until we got to. I think it was uh, like Fawn, 
Ruby Fawn. Rising, Fawn. Rising, Rising Fawn, Fawn, Georgia. Yeah, we had the nice pilot over there. Nice tie-dye Alabama t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting rest up. Uh, right. So, um, you know, what was your impression of the Deep South? You know what? I mean, I it was beautiful. So, I, you know, I didn't see any, like, the sort of horror movie thing. You, you saw some <laughs> of our videos. It was really nice. We stayed at that Hampton Inns and Suites. It was very hospitable. They gave you plenty of snacks. They had coffee. We stayed out. Uh, we got great service at... That Bumhauer's place, which also had the added bonus of like swinging <laughs> a swinging dinner table. If you follow us on social at Timothy Dooner or at Chad Prevost, you can check out sort of our road journals and our videos we make when we go out. Because uh, I mean, it's not just on the show that we try to have a good time. I mean, we really. I mean, this isn't just an on-air thing. We like this is sort of the the cult and the culture of personality that we really want to bring to this industry and show people that it's really fun. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to break you into a little disc golf. You never done that before. How about for disc golf <laughs> at, at Cloudland Canyon? A uh, little planning sesh there. Just played uh, nine holes on the PDGA, a professionally designed course. Um, you know, hope you hope you enjoyed it. I, I did, and I think that we came up with some of our best ideas, and some of them are going to be launched right on our very next episode. We won't really tease it, but if you've ever yeah. wanted to have sort of an intro to, I don't know, something like sonar, maybe you thought it was a little inaccessible, we're going to really sort of break down the data into digestible little chicken nuggets for you. That's right, with a segment we're going to call On the Radar. Boop, <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Stay tuned for that. See, yeah. that's, that's high production level right there. You know, uh, Dooner, you mentioned that, you know, maybe this, the McLeod will, would be um, something of an oasis um, in Birmingham. To me, it proved to be just that. It's a pretty mm. special place. Literally had the, the pond there, uh, you know, with, with, with or without the Goosenator. Um, it, was a, it was a pretty cool headquarters, I have to say. It was. I really, there, there's a lot, there was a lot of thought put into that layout, and it's clear that they are trying to attract a younger demographic to stay competitive, to come and work for them. I really like the layout of the floors. They even had like an IT floor where you just walked up and there's an iPad help ticket thing. A lot of times I've been in companies where like a help ticket, it's like buried away under 10,000 menus and it just seems so inaccessible. But there, it seemed like it was really easy to sort of get support and know which, where each department was. It was, um, I don't know, I, I mean, for what it was, I thought it was really cool because you might think it would be a little bit more of a conservative company or something, but no. And then they took us to that roof and there's like a panoramic view of those mountains it's a great place to work in all glass yeah. offices. It was uh it was cool, man. It was really cool. And um yeah, I think we got some great conversations because there is a lot going on right now uh in the global supply chain. Uh you know, it affects uh it's, it affects everyone. There's a little fear out there. Hopefully that won't, you know, hit into the uh, consumer confidence. Hopefully we can get a resolution to some of these things. There is right now though there is just no telling. Yeah, no, I I totally agree and uh well, man, I got to say, I think we got some great interviews. We're going we're gonna to quell some of the concerns that people had. This show might be, you know, maybe it was a little bit more serious than other ones, but we were covering an event, you know. Couldn't, yeah. really, couldn't really bang the cowbell, so we had to figure out other ways to uh, entertain ourselves. But, um, you know, I, I did hold on to my – I haven't sold the Uber stock yet, and at, at the oh, end of right. trading – I am only down about uh, $55, so I think that wow. I'm looking good. I might actually buy a little bit more. That came a long way back. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I mean, I think it is, man. People are a little overreacting, I, I'd say. Yeah, well, 
It sounds like you already knew that you should hold. I mean, I think that was the best advice. Um, yeah, so anyway, this has been a great wrap. We are going to be bringing you What the Truck, not once, but twice a week, every week now. Are oh, you- wait a second. Who, yeah. who won? Who won? Oh, the question, how can right? I forget? Who won the Dunkin' Donuts question? Hold on a second. Let's go to the entry belts, because I think there were two that were very close, because I, the answer was... 2009. In Dothan. It was actually February 24th. 2009 in Dothan? Dothan. Dothan. Dothan, Alabama yeah. was the first Dunkin' Donuts to open there. Okay. Uh, and I know that Casey Burleson guessed 2012. Yeah. I think that might be the closest. Yeah. I mean, we had a, a 1997 way off. We had a 2005. That was very close. I mean, if this very is the price close. is right and you can't go over, it would be Susan Moore Kirkpatrick. However, this is not the price is right, is it? No, this is just gets it closest. So, Casey Burleson, come on down. You were only three years away. He said 2012. Uh, nobody got the tiebreaker, so we'll send you something in the mail, Casey, something nice from What the Truck. We have a signed cowbell beater stick. Congratulations, Casey. Let's hit a little cowbell for that. Oh, yeah. You know, and he seemed like the kind of guy who would know. He's a very sharp guy. I watched him when, when uh, Ibrahim was doing his keynote. And he was just completely dialed in, listening to every word he was saying. You can tell that that's a guy who knows his numbers. <laughs> hey, Chad, where yeah, can they find clearly. the show? If they want to subscribe, they're listening to us for the first time. Uh, we're on, what, Spotify, Apple Podcasts? Everywhere your podcasts can be found. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so tune in and keep on listening. We're having a great time, and we're going to be bringing you not only with more cowbell, but just more what the truck. Why? Because we just can't get enough. We love it. We love bringing this to you. And, uh, yeah, our general cadence, this is coming out on Wednesday because Tuesday we had to be at the conference. But generally speaking, you're going to hear from us at the top of the week on a Tuesday mm-hmm. and at the end of the week on a Friday is going to be Word. our weekend edition. Yeah. Something that can kind of carry you over, you know, for, um, you know, your your time over the weekend where you can chill out and just listen at your leisure. Oh, wait a second. We should have done like a cowbell drum roll for this. This is a big announcement, right? Yes, I think wait, so. Wait, you just officially announced that we're going to two days a week, baby. Laying down the gauntlets. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, man. So, uh, on our on our weekend edition, we'll have some of our regular segments. We'll uh, we'll have all the earnings that came out this week for earnings over under that we didn't touch. We'll have some good or bad. We'll have on the radar, and uh, we'll cover all the other headlines and news that have come out during the week that affect you, your carriers, your shippers, and your partners. Yes, and uh, we're happy to do it. It's our honor. Thanks for uh, listening and tuning in. Let us know how we can do better. Great times, man. Yeah, we'll be seeing you soon on. What, what the truck? Man, loving that interaction on social media we've been getting. So guys, we've been clicking the likes and then the retweets and the comments. We have been noticing and we greatly appreciate it. You charge your battery, your hybrid, or like yeah. a hybrid team? It is. Awesome sauce. Thank you.